Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. So it's me again. Maya's on vacation, so if you were sick of it, me last week, sorry, get me again. Um, and if you were uncomfortable last week, it's probably going to be even more uncomfortable this week. So I appreciate you guys being here. Um, for our third or fourth hot topic, we're going to be doing homosexuality tonight. Let's talk kind of what the Bible says about it and kind of how we as Christians can deal with uh, that issue in our world. Um, so to start and look at this topic, we're going to be looking at Romans 1. If you have your Bibles, if you turn there to verse 18. And this is a lot of scripture, so I apologize, but I think it's really important. So we're going to start at verse 18. For the wrath of God was revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they came, became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Evil, covetousness, malice, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedience to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. So that is a lot, a lot, a lot of scripture and we're not really going to go through all of it. What's the important part is that I want you to see in this passage and in this next slide that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. So you see Paul is doing this little step-by-step thing. God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them up. We have like four levels, if you will, where God is giving people up to their sin. So it's not where it starts with an all sin, right? You start with one thing, go to the next, the next, the next. And that's what we're going to try to fly through. And uh, that means that in God's eyes, though, he doesn't see sin as any worse than the other. So, I have a question. You have three options here. If I gave you a water bottle that I never tampered, I gave you a glass full of one drop of cyanide, and I gave you a glass with half of cyanide and half water, would you, would you drink the one that has less cyanide, or would you just drink the water bottle? Right? You drink the water bottle, right? Because even a little bit of poison is going to kill you. And so why am I going to decide, well, maybe I'll just drink the one that has one drop of cyanide because it's not going to be that bad. No, you're going to drink the water because the water is pure, right? And so in God's mind, it doesn't matter whether it's a little bit of cyanide or a lot of bit of cyanide. Sin is sin in God's eyes. And that's what this whole passage is saying is that although God's giving you up 
further and further and further and further. Sin is still sin. And that's important because sin is killing you. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. One sin isn't going to be necessarily worse than the other. The second thing we notice is sin's dichotomy. Men by who their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So, if I said to you, what's the opposite of truth, what would you say to me? Lie. Lie, right? And if I said, what's the opposite of right, what would you say to me? Wrong. Wrong. Good, good. I like that as a competition. That's not what the Bible says. Men, by who the, men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. It's not that men who are lying and suppressing the truth. It's not that men say, well, hmm, that's true, but I'm going to believe a lie. It's men who are unrighteous already and then have to think of a scheme or have to think of a reason why they believe something. The dichotomy in the Bible isn't truth versus wrong or truth versus a lie and right versus wrong. It, it's the next one, truth versus wrong in the righteousness versus a lie. And that's important for us because when we see that, it says men who by their unrighteousness, the wrong, suppress the truth. It's not truth versus the lie. It's truth versus wrong. People aren't angry at something intellectually. They're angry at something because that's what they already believe. And how I wrote this, it's the next one, is that someone who's living in sin isn't going to be intellectually persuaded one way or the other. Hey, you're doing what's wrong. Don't you know what the Bible says? They don't care right versus wrong. What they care about is that they want to justify doing what they're already doing. We're going to, start, we're going to see how God's giving them up, and we're going to read verse 21 again. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so what starts this whole human condition? Remember the first week we were talking about sin, you know? Um, it's not the way it's supposed to be. What starts this whole human condition? Ignorance and idolatry. That's what Paul says. This is Paul's mini version of Genesis 1. It's an ignorance at who God is and what he said. Although we know who God is and what he said, we don't believe it. And it's idolatry. We choose something else rather than God. But then what? God gives us up. And what does it say in verse 24? God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forever. And so because of ignorance and idolatry, we'll start here, because of ignorance and idolatry, God gives them up to heterosexual sin, right? They're exchanging the truth of God for a lie with each other. And then what's happening, God gave them up and God let them live in the lust of their flesh for one another, homosexual sin. And often in the Christian faith, we make that as the, that's the bottom of the barrel, right? You talk about Christians and, you know, Westboro Baptist comes to mind. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but that's what comes to mind. You know, they're boycotting the funerals, like, you know, your son's in hell, you know, that stuff. And we're like, oh, that's the bottom of the barrel. But what does the Bible say is underneath that, right? When that happens, well, God gave them up. And we have this whole laundry list that Paul gives us. Um, They're filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetous, malice, that whole list. And so it's actually not the bottom of the barrel in God's eyes because once you transgress your relationship with God, right, once you're ignorant and you're idolatrous in your relationship with God and then you're ignorant in your relationships with between one another and consensual type sin, then you're going to start sinning towards other people. And that's what this whole laundry list is. A man of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, striped deceit. It's not something that's, it's not consensual anymore. If I murder someone, they're not like, okay, you can. You know, I'm doing it to them. So I'm not just offending my relationship with God. I'm not just offending my body. I'm not just offending people who want to be offended with me. I'm offending people who don't want to be offended. Now, you're like, 
Why are you talking about homosexuality and we're going through this whole thing? Because it's important, I think, to start there biblically to realize that God is giving people up to some. And in reality, we see a humankind who stops sinning just against God and themselves and starts sinning against others as well. Um, but why is it wrong, right? We're talking about homosexuality. And if I brought every one of you up here and said, okay, blank, why is homosexuality wrong? I don't know if anybody, any one of you could give me a really good, cohesive answer, right? And a lot of the times our answer rests on the fact that God says so. This is what God says. This is the omniscient, omnipotent word of God. And as Christians, we all disagree with stuff in our, in our lives that God says, but we obey it anyway. And so this is important. Um, but here's what I think, this is why I think it's wrong, and I might step behind here a little bit. This was Christian McCartney, not God, anything else. Um, and this is my opinion. Um, I think that God has created very specific versions for sexual conduct to take place. If you're a boy and you have a girlfriend, no sexual activity should be taking place in that relationship. If you're a girl and you have a boyfriend, no sexual activity should be taking place in that relationship. Nobody in this room, I don't think, has been divorced, but if you're divorced, right, and it's for a reason that's not under biblical guidelines, there should be no sexual activity. If you're engaged, which nobody in this room is, I don't think, no sexual activity should be taking place. If you're married, no other sexual activity should be taking place other than in your marriage relationship. So God is pretty specific on what he defines as sexual relationship in that way. And so I think that it's wrong, just personally, because we offend ourselves and we offend the people that God died for. God is pretty strict on what sexual misconduct is and what it indicates. Um, and according, I read the stat. I don't know if this makes sense or not. But um, there are 19, in America, 19% of people are married. Now, how many of you people think that 19% of people are having sex? Right, no. There's tons of people having sex, right? A lot more than 19%. But 20% of people in this country are married, right? Which means, biblically, only about 20% of them should be having sex. So what does that mean? It means that God's standard for sexual purity is a lot smaller, is a lot narrower than what our American standard for sexual purity is. And so as we start this whole conversation, I think it's important that we realize this, that it, it doesn't matter necessarily what you feel, it matters what God says, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that another reason, if, we can, if this makes sense at all, is that friendship in our culture, friendship now between you know, a boy being friends with a boy and a girl being friends with a, a girl is horribly flim-flam. It's kind of, doesn't necessarily make sense. And I think Christian relationship really relies, and I mean that, really relies on other people. Um, if you remember the story of David and Jonathan in the Bible, David is really close friends with Jonathan. Jonathan's dad is the king. David was told he's going to be the king. Jonathan does this big deal where he takes off all of his kingly clothes and give it, gives it to David, like, I trust you, you're going to be king. And then Jonathan dies, basically, fighting with his father. And David said about Jonathan, your love to me was sweeter than that of women. He says that, your love to me was sweeter than that of women. David said that about Jonathan, that David was married. What does that mean? Now, it wasn't anything bad that was happening between them. What I think it means is that friendship is a way bigger deal than we make it. And I think what, what I mean by this whole thing is that when we're living in, in sin, that we don't give friendship the priority that it deserves. And I think it will be easier to say that homosexuality doesn't actually love men and women more. It loves them less because in friendship, it's supposed to be something sacred and supposed to be something secure. I don't understand that. I don't necessarily know if I completely could defend that personally, but I think that that could be a very good reason. 
Um, so how do we interact with this topic? How many of you know somebody who's gay, either in your family or somebody at school or something like that? Okay, you guys can look around. That's probably 80% of the room. So you either have, and I think it's about four categories, you either have someone who you know is homosexual, who's a Christian, uh, you know somebody who's homosexual who's not a Christian, you yourself are homosexual, or you know somebody who, oh, what was the fourth one? Dang, I forget. Thanks. <laughs> well, there's a fourth category, just trust me. <laughs> so, okay, those are the topics. Um, um, and if you're here and you're homosexual, which I don't know how many people those are, I think the stat is like uh, 10%. But if you're here and homosexual, the Bible says, and this is good, that if you are attracted to somebody of the opposite gender, that in itself is not sinful, right? If you're straight and attracted to somebody of the opposite gender, that's not sinful. If you're homosexual attracted to someone of the same gender, that's not sinful. The Bible strictly defines homosexual misconduct, if you will, as when an activity takes place. Notice Paul says here, men who are consumed, men likewise give up natural relations with women or consumed with passion for another, men committing shameless acts with men, right? It's the moment the action is done is the problem. Now, what does Jesus say? If you commit adultery with someone in your heart, you've already committed adultery with them. So that's something important for us to recognize as well. But the most important part here is that if you're homosexual in this room and are struggling with that and you think, you know, what's going on, realize that as a homosexual person, um, it's not, your very existence is not an offense. Your very existence isn't a problem. Your very existence isn't an issue. The issue is when we take sexual activity and we take it the way outside of what God intended. And that's what it says in Romans and a lot of other passages. Okay, um, but what about if you're not gay, right? You're like, I'm straight, I'm attracted to you know, people of the opposite sex. But you know people who are homosexual and they're in your life. Well, if they're a Christian, you just need to love them. You just need to be on their team. You just need to be on their side. And I, we talked about it last week, loving them to a point of knowledge. And I don't mean that like in a, in a prideful way or in a, you know, in a way that really makes it sound like we're um, better than them, I guess. But I'm trying to say like when we love them, we love them to a place that we're going to love them no matter where they end up. Does that make sense? And if they're a Christian, they're probably going through the hardest time in their life. They're probably going through a really big issue in their lives. And we can love them in a way that shows them that God is, God is on their team. Um, and they're probably very hurting with this issue. And they need to have healthy same-sex relationships. They need to have same-sex relationships with people who are, who are not attracted to them. And the reason I was, I was thinking about this and I was thinking... Um, relationships are a battleground. If, this is kind of be wrong. If you are a guy in this room, you have always heard people say that, can you be friends with somebody of the opposite gender? And if you're a guy, what's your answer? No. Okay. And so a lot of guys say to me, you know, I can't be, you know, it's, it's really hard to be friends with somebody who's a girl. And girls say to me, oh yeah, I can be friends with somebody who's a guy. And what is happening here, and I'm going to try to tread very lightly here, because I know a lot of girls here are friends with guys. What's happening here is the girl's under an assumption that the guy's probably not attracted to them, or the guy's under the assumption that the girl's not attracted to them, when in reality, at some point in a relationship, it's going to be very difficult for that not to happen, right? Because they're in a point, guys being friends with a girl extremely platonically forever, 
And the reason I'm saying this is because I was like, oh, no, it, they can be friends. And then time after time after time after time after time after time, she broke my heart. I'm like, you didn't even do anything. You were a friend. No, we loved each other. No, you didn't. Had that happen a billion times. If it's worked for you so far, good. But most of the time, that's not the case. Why am I saying that? Because as Christians, as people, we need people we can rely on wholeheartedly. People who aren't going to make a pass at us. People who aren't going to make a move at us. People who aren't going to explode in tears because they thought we were in some romantic relationship. I don't care who you are in this room. You need a relationship that's not a romantic relationship that you can rely on and say, this is somebody who's in my corner. This is somebody who's on my team. This is somebody I can talk to everything about. And uh, this may make it seem like I have great friends, so I'm going to apologize. But I wrote down some things some of my friends have said to me that, that highlight the importance of having friends who are, who are in your team but not attracted to you in a sexual way. Okay, one of my friends said, Christian, I don't care if you killed somebody. I'm going to be your friend. I wrote that down. I remember that very clearly. Killed somebody? Really? He didn't care if I killed somebody. He said, I'm going to be your friend, right? Why is that important? Because he picked me. And I wasn't an object of sexual attraction. I wasn't an object of, as long as I keep looking this good, he's going to be my friend. No. He said, Christian, I don't care whatever you did. I'm going to be your friend. And as Christians in this life, we need relationships with people of the same sex who are going to be integral with our lives, who are going to be important with our lives, and who are going to really care about us in that way. That's an intimate friendship. I had a friend to say to me, Christian, because you're, see, this is going to be hard. Christian, because you're a follower of Christ, we'll say that, because you're a follower of Christ, it gives me hope and inspiration and the ability that I can still be a follower of Christ. That's what he said to me. And then he said, if you weren't a Christian, he says, I don't know if I could be a Christian because I know what you go through and I know the hard times that you've had in your life and the fact that you can give that all to God and you can sacrifice that gives me hope to be a Christian. That's an intimate, close friendship. I had a friend say to me, um, where is that? I have people who text me and say that I'm feeling good. I remember I was driving in a car and I had a friend text me and we talked 40 minutes. I was losing it. I was losing it. He texted me for 40 minutes. I wasn't driving, don't worry. Texted me for 40 minutes just to make sure I was okay. The point I'm trying to stress by this is not, wow, what great friends I have. The point I'm trying to stress by this is that we need relationships in our lives by people who are the same sex and gender as we are who can, we can count on and we can rely on. The moment, let's say that being homosexual was perfectly okay in the Bible. Let's say there was no issue or problem with it at all. The problem is, is that then every relationship becomes a battleground. There's no time where I can sit on a relationship and be like, okay, I can tell this person whatever, and there's going to be no issue. And because relationship in our lives as Christians, even as non-Christians, often becomes a quid pro quo, something for something, what can this person do for me relationship. And I think the great alternative to what we're talking about tonight is the fact that friendship in our lives can be important and can be integral. Um, like I said, people who text me make sure that I'm okay. People who know everything about me. And I could give you, an, we could talk about accountability as well, and that's a big deal too. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. People who have people in their corner, and I think that's a whole, it's a, it's a blow to the idea of sexual brokenness is, is the holy closeness that we can have with other people, if that makes any sense at all. We're going to have the question thing coming up later, so if you have any questions, just text me, because I know that doesn't make sense at all. We need people like that. <clears throat> so what if you have people who you know who are homosexual and they're not Christians? You just go to school with them, they're in your family, whatever. Um, we talked about this kind of with transgenderism, if you were here the last week. 
I don't think people like that really need a big, um, hey, don't you know that the Bible said? I don't think they need that. I think what they need is people to know that you're gonna be their friend no matter what. And the one that, salute, okay. Oh, okay, wow, that was incredible. Okay, um, wow. I guess Coke doesn't fall like that most of the time. <clears throat> anyway, if you're, if you're in this room and you have people who are homosexual and you know them and you're their friend but they're not Christians, there's a uh, mentality and there's a relationship that we can have with them that shows support and that shows love to them without being supportive of some of the things that are going on but we can have their lives in a way that we show love to them. Because Christ showed love to us even when we were sinners and we can show love to them. So that's the second to last hot topic. If you come next week, Mai's actually gonna be here finally and he's gonna talk, I believe, about singleness. And we're gonna do your questions that you've been texting into the hotline at the end of that. Um, we appreciate you coming to Thrive and we're gonna end in with a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, your word is difficult sometimes for us to understand and for us to digest properly. Um, and God, we just pray that you would give us knowledge and wisdom and understanding, God, for this. We know people in our lives who are hurting, who are sad, who don't understand. And God, we want to be able to show them, we want to be able to show ourselves um, the truth behind your word, God. The fact that you're the, a loving father. The fact that you're somebody who cares about us and your plan is better than the plan that we have for ourselves. So God, I just pray that you would grant us understanding in that matter, Lord, and give us the ability and love to love people who um, are just struggling with this issue, God. Um, give us strength, give us understanding, and give us the humility to understand exactly what you're saying for us and for our lives. We love you, God, in your son's name, amen. Good evening and thrive.